Imagine, if you will, a beautiful small town New England community, one with no traffic lights, no fast food restaurants, where the homes have fields for yards, neighbors that can't be seen from the front steps, but are still there with a cup of sugar anytime you need it. This is Hardwick. With less than 3,000 people, this small town was built on hard work and a strong sense of community. And it is now the epicenter of a potential rebirth of thoroughbred horse racing and the rise of sports betting in Massachusetts. This podcast is here to pose questions, offer perspectives, and share information about the proposed racetrack as a way to encourage those within the community and its surrounding communities to do their due diligence and truly consider what this could mean for the town and the surrounding towns. It's here to urge you to look below the surface, beyond the immediate impact, and consider the full picture as Hardwick prepares for a special vote that will determine whether the location for the racetrack will be approved. Welcome back. Today I'm joined by Judy Group Korzek. Today we're going to dig into a little bit more information and insight and perspective around the sports betting that is connected to this proposal, the proposal for the horse racing track that is set forth by Commonwealth Equine and Agricultural Center, owned by Commonwealth Racing and New England Horse Park. Judy, can you take a moment and just tell me a little bit about you and your connection to Hardwick? So my background, um, I love Hardwick. My husband's been here 35 years. I've been here about 15 years. Um, support Hardwick in many ways, whether it's a food bank, just finished 30 pies for the, uh, the food bank and, and for, um, you know, Chief Ayotte's group of individuals that need support in the area. Um, we're always working on somebody's house or, or planning something or um, donating things, donating coats. You would know yep, that. From, I know first hand. Um, yep, donating those jackets. Clothing. And I'm also a part of um, St. Aloysius. So part of the um, church community here as well, which we donate and do an awful, awful lot of work to people in town. Um, but the reason for that is because is my background is uh, I am and have been for almost 40 years an executive in healthcare. And I have focused a great deal of my effort on the Medicare and Medicaid world and trying to figure out ways to improve lives, um, both on the social level as well as the health level, and really understand what the you know, key dominant things in life, their lives are that are making it so difficult for them to manage day to day. So for me, this is personal. I grew up poor myself. I did manage to have mentors along the way and become successful. I always wanted to give that back. So looking at a community like this, it really gives you that opportunity to do it. And when you see something like this come in that you know is going to, you know, destroy the fabric of a town, it, it hurts more uh, on a personal level, knowing what it's going to do to these people's lives um, than just a festival day on the hill. This is going to break down the absolute fabric of this community. So that's kind of my background. Why I'm so passionate about this and why I really, really wanted to understand what this proposal was all about, really dig into it. My Obviously, my background has a lot of research because I'm in healthcare. That's what we do for a living. Um, so it was really important to understand the pros and cons. Yeah, I'm, I'm, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing the background that you have, because I think that that research key and the digging into what really is happening, that's the reason I'm 
doing this podcast and having these discussions is because I think there is so much that is below the surface that needs to be explored, needs to be brought to light and discussed um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of surface level smoke and mirrors about what is happening. There's, there's a lot of conversations that are happening at the surface level, and we need to get deeper than that about the reality of this proposal. And one of the greatest points that I think needs to be discussed, and that's been a definite point of contention, is um, that the proposal set forth by the Commonwealth Equine and Agricultural Center, which is owned by Commonwealth Racing and New England Horse Park, is the horse racing, specifically the gambling, sports betting, and that that would be coming to Hardwick. This is an area that I know personally, I am not at all educated on other than what I have read in the actual proposal. So let me... I, I want to start by kind of can you can you share a little bit about what what exactly gambling and sports betting are and it, it, if there's a difference between the two? There's a there is a huge difference and and actually this is what um, why they're being so successful in Hardwick because a lot of folks are very none of these people are casino people they're not people that go to these places you know you have MGM in in Springfield you've got you know the Boston win, right? You've got those things. So you're really not familiar with what that means, which is where it becomes very easy for the folks to say the racetrack will not have gambling because guess what? That legally is the right term. It isn't gambling, it's betting. And if you look up the legal term between gambling and betting, they're different. Gambling means all risk, 100% risk, go to a casino, uh, do a, you know, one arm bandit or whatever those things are called. <laughs> that is gambling. This is betting. And betting means or you have an educated, there's an educated edge to it that you could do research, et cetera. Okay. But it isn't just about the horse racing that matters here. The horse racing, once they get a horse track race, as of August 10th, 2022, sports betting was signed into law in the state. And sports betting is a separate license than the horse racing betting. And what really aggravates me about what's going on right now is they're just trying to confuse it under a festival day that has no gambling, but just a few betting on the horses and some simulcast to other places and watch horses and completely ignoring the lines in their host agreement to say sports betting and other locations in Hardwick. Those two key terms are telling you that sports, they will, the state, what they've done is three locations get retail, automatic retail sports betting licenses. The two casinos I just mentioned and the racetrack, which means they can put a retail sports betting parlor with all those big screens and betting on everything from the color of the guy's, you know, hat that he wears when he's playing tennis to, you know, baseball games, football games, it is the fastest growing epidemic in the country, which is why my healthcare kicks in. We have 47%, well, let me, let me put it this way. Up until 2018, sports betting was only allowed in Nevada. Then when they allowed it, the Supreme Court flipped that in 2018, 35 states have put sports betting in place in, in their state. In that time, we have increased 47% year over year sports betting um, to crisis lines because it's highly addictive. 
Sports betting hits the same um, neural elements of your brain as opioids. So you get addicted to it very, very quickly. Layer on top of that, there are no laws yet, no laws limiting how they advertise. So let's, uh, you know, take, there's a, there's a wonderful article out there. It was actually a research study just done by the New York Times um, back on November 20th, it was released. One of the sections of that tells you that six universities have signed on for multi-million dollars to have sports betting on their campuses, and they get paid to push that to those kids. And many, many colleges are lined up to do the same because it's easy bucks, and they know these kids will get addicted to it. So think about Juul and think about opioids and think about these things. For our town of Hardwick, who already has challenges with a lot of low income, no jobs, um, a lot of rental properties throughout Gilbertville, et cetera, having an addictive sports betting facility or sports betting in this town is not right on so many levels. So sports betting is very different than gambling. They'll use the term, we don't gamble. It isn't gambling. They're absolutely legally right by the word of the law. However, they've never said we won't be sports betting. We won't have a retail sports betting because they get that license. That license means a lot more to them than the racetrack. And how do I know that? Because in February, 2022, they did a study in Palmer, Massachusetts to determine if horse racing was actually profitable. So they hired a big name firm called Spectrum Gaming to do this research study. Research study came back and said, all racetrack facilities that opened in the last 15 years either closed down or were only able to stay open with additional betting activities. Hmm. And the last page of that report says anybody opening a racetrack today would be crazy. All right, well, that sums it up right there. We know it's the sports betting that they want to bring. And that is just, it, it decimates, it decimates the communities that they go in. That's why they usually put them in, you know, there's one in, in, in um, near Windsor Locks. It's near the airport. It's not in the middle of their town. Yeah. I mean, people have been really smart about where they place these, but it's a very dangerous and it's named as one of the, if not the biggest epidemic coming our way. And as of right now, are there any other, there aren't any other ones that are in Massachusetts. So we would- There be are not. And these guys will be, again, one of the only three retail um, to begin with automatic licenses. So then there are a bunch of, um, a bunch of them vying for the, uh, you've seen the phone version, you know them by DraftKings and, yep. and all those. They will get those as well. Um, but the key is you want people coming into your facility. So how do you do that? How do you put up a retail sports betting facility? You do it by saying, well, you get 30 extra bucks if you come in, you get free drinks, you get this, you get that. They lure you in to come to these um, existing facilities like this would be. Their retail license is very valuable to them. Yeah. Far more valuable than the horse racing. Yeah. Now that, you know, horse racing, they're saying three days a year, but the problem is they don't call the shots. You know, Massachusetts gaming calls the shots on that. And the legislature said a minimum of 20 days. Yeah. And so, from what I read in the proposal, the proposal states that they can have blackout dates while they're under construction. Right. Right. So that construction eventually will come to an end. Eventually it they will, will get to the point where the infrastructure will be here in, in Hardwick and they will be able to maximize that number of dates and get as many as possible 
Uh, yes, they need horses. They need they need to meet the needs, but they're going to build towards those needs so that they can, again, like you said, maximize what they're going to be able to get out of it. And I refer you back again to the November 20th um, research study, and you'll see exactly how that gets pushed through. The lobbyists were allowed to party, give gifts to all of these legislators, to all of the town officials. Um, it was, it is insane what they were allowed to do to pass this into our state. And again, the horse racing is one thing. The sports betting location will be a completely different location in Hardwick. Yeah. And so that's going to drive kind of a double whammy. And then you say, well, how, where are all these people flying in and you know coming in? Where are they going to stay? Well, that, again, that's where my heart goes out because we have a lot of rental properties, et cetera. Those people will be displaced. There's yeah. there's no place for people to stay. What do, how do they stay overnight? How how do they get to the sports gaming, wherever they decide to put it? If, if, if that is true, our entire town is going to be gridlocked in, in different ways and, and taking over our communities. Yeah. And going into going into that side of things, I mean, what will those rental properties, once if this does pass, if this does go through, um, eventually taxes, property, property prices oh, will raise, the taxes will raise. <laughs> Um, those rental properties, what happens with rental properties in situations like this is people realize that they can make more money raising the prices and doing short-term rentals. So those Correct. people who are renting for long-term rentals, right, are going to be pushed out because it's going to be these higher priced short-term rentals that people are going to be looking for. And I'm not saying this will happen to everybody. Some people have great hearts and will continue, but right. the majority of people will be looking to to maximize whatever they can get out of this, right? So those those people who are in the greatest need in our community are going to end up being even greater in need in, in exactly. a situation. I mean, mm -hmm. Judy knows this. I know this from my nonprofit that my family runs. There are already homeless people in town. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is going to increase that disparity between uh, those who are struggling can barely get by, who are having to live with other people to rent at low prices, because again, everything is going to increase to me. Correct. Correct. And of course our traffic and, and whenever you bring gambling or sports betting facilities in, um, those types of things, you also have an increase of alcohol, you know, those, the, the, you don't, you don't do sports betting at noon, right? You're doing yeah. sports betting late in the evening. And I mean, the traffic is continual. I don't even know, um, what the impact of the surrounding towns will be because you have to get to us through other Towns. towns that are we don't are have easy as much as we are yeah mm -hmm. let me ask you so you've talked about the sports betting and the potential of a additional potential sports betting facility mm -hmm. when it comes to the actual proposal and where they're putting it and these live events and the simulcast events how does sports betting play a role in those that are right. that are already in existing in the in the proposal what ex what's existing in the proposal in the first paragraph, actually recital one, it clearly states that there's sports betting. It clearly states um, Great Meadowbrook Farm as well as other hard nearby Hardwick 
locations. So they're not disclosing those other locations, correct? So that is one thing we don't know. Well, where are they going to put this, you know, addition, where are they going to use their additional sports betting license? They don't need that sports betting license for the racetrack because they already have the racetrack. So on the racetrack, what they're doing is they're going to be able to put kiosks. They're going to be put what's called simulcast where you watch horses from afar um, and you can bet on those horses right there on the racetrack. Um, and those, those days, one of the things that I want to point out, and because I think this is so important, this was one of the biggest red flags when I thought of it, was those simulcast days are actually different than, than the live event days, than the festival days, right? Those are in addition to the festival days, the, the quote unquote festival days. They, they could well be correct <laughs> because they could just run those and not have festival days and just do simulcast racing. Correct. It still brings the traffic and the trucks and everything in here. Yeah. Um, but without the festival days and they're only using the word festival day. Let's talk about that for just one second. And the reason for that is 20 years ago, a gentleman who purchased this property had a few days of festival days where there were some um, uh, pre-Olympic trials being held. Which they were, were truly festival. They were beautiful. Right. It was, and it they was were truly event. festival days. The reason they're using this festival day is to kind of get people to think these are going to be wonderful like this. This is not like that. This is organized commercial racing, period, with big racetracks, big excavation, big number of horses, big number of people, you know, betters, gamblers coming in. That is not what these festivals were all about. They were about families coming out and watching pre-Olympic horse riders. And they were fantastic. They jumped yeah. over, you know, hay bales so and really cool stuff. Right. This is amazing. not that. This it is not amazing. that. Yeah, I, I, wanna, I was excited when I first heard about it because that's what came to mind. And the more I dug in, the more I read, the more I realized you can't even compare. And they, they keep like trying to draw that comparison over and over again. Um, they've even drawn the comparison. If you look at the proposal down at the bottom, they've drawn the comparison to for a 4-H event. Oh, it's, I know it's for outrageous. me, I read that. It's outrageous. I was, mm -hmm. as somebody who grew up doing 4-H, who went to the 4-H shows, which is what they were comparing it to in Northampton, which number one, Northampton infrastructure in Northampton versus Hardwick is, I mean, that's easy access to highways. There's I, I don't even know the number more people, every, there's restaurants, there's everything that's there, right? And it's a big event that they were drawing it in comparison to, but again, it is one time a year. <laughs> and <laughs> it is not the same thing. My daughter lives in Saratoga no. Springs, so she understands the impact of these race days. And I've lived in 11 states and three of those states had major, major horse racing, including New Jersey um, mm -hmm. facilities. This is not a festival day. This is a commercial racetrack. Yeah. And if you notice right at the bottom of that proposal, just draw your eyes to number 30. The one thing they also put in there is if, if it all falls, falls apart, there's no damages. We owe you nothing. And so they're going to come in, get their licenses. This is the only way he can get his license for sports betting is to get this horse track. If he gets no horse track, he gets no sports betting, right? So there's your, your tie-in. And if it fails, we're stuck with it all. So, um, and there's nothing in this proposal that says they can't sell it off to somebody else the next day. As a matter of fact, it says we, you have to allow us to sell, sell it off to someone else the next day. So it's, um, it, it's really challenging um, where we're sitting right now with this because this is, 
this is not good for this community. It's not good for any community, but some of the, you know, in this specific fabric, this makeup of this community, it's, it's detrimental on so many levels with crime, with, um, you know, again, the addictions with losing people in their houses and um, sports betting. I mean, I can only imagine these people, you know, they're, they're going to bet because they're going to think that's the only way to get, get rich. And, you know, this is, they, they prey on this type of population, which is even worse. Let me ask you. So we, most people listening have probably heard of Suffolk Downs, right? That (laughs) that's when, when you think of horse racing in Mm -hmm. Massachusetts, that's what comes to mind. Um, with that shutting, having shut down with everything that was horse racing, as we know it in Massachusetts collapsing, why on earth is this such a push right now to bring it back? Why is there so much pressure to do this in this timeline that exists, which feels very high pressure? The reason is the Sports Gaming Commission has $25 million set aside. It was set aside by the legislature several years ago. Nobody's been able to get that pot of money. Matter of fact, this group has tried five other towns before us that all said no. Nobody's been able to get to that pot of money. So if somebody says finally yes, you know, that's a big push for the Massachusetts Gaming Commission to be able to get all these taxes and everything that they wanted to pull in. And now that sports betting got, you know, August, you know, August 10th, 2022, you know, why Charlie Baker did that, I'll, I'll never know. But, um, you know, that only accelerated the entire thing because now the horse racing, if you have that horse racing, you get yet another sports betting facility that you're able to capitalize here in the state. And again, if you refer back to that, that report that I was telling you about, this makes billions for the state, billions. We're not talking millions, billions. Yeah. Sports betting is absolutely the biggest money maker tax and basically they're just taxing you if you're playing the game you're gonna lose that's just another tax on you they're just you know this is very dangerous but now it's right in our town and you you know we want the money we want money for our town it would be great to have money in our state right but at what costs well there's two things i find humorous about that number one 500 they're offering five hundred thousand dollars which by the way will you know, fix like a quarter mile of a road. Let's start with that. But the second thing is, if you also notice in the proposal, they never promised you any of their sports betting, not a penny. And that's the thing that's going to make money. Yeah. So, you know, it's corrupt from the, you know, the start to the finish here and, um, you know, fighting it and trying to figure out I'm fighting it. I'm going to be open about that only because I know what it's going to do the town, what's going to do the fabric, what's going to do to people's lives. And $500,000 is not going to improve the lives of the people in this town. It's barely going to be able to fix one road that these thousands of trucks are going to be running over every single year. Yeah. So if you were to kind of summarize the, the risks and the concerns over this proposal coming to Hardwick, um, if we step into the role as the host um, of of thoroughbred racing in Massachusetts, which is what this proposal really is all about. Um, how would how would you summarize those? Oh, I wouldn't summarize it as a horse racing central. I'd say I'd say it was the betting capital um, yeah. because you have both. You have yeah. horse racing and sports betting, so you would be absolutely the betting capital of the state with absolutely no infrastructure to do that. You would be basically be giving away another town 
to the state of Massachusetts and just sacrificing it for tax dollars. It's a sacrifice of a great town with a great history, one of the prettiest towns. 500,000 doesn't even come close to covering the damage that's gonna be done. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share that you can think mm. of that would that would I could talk forever, but I, I you know, really I just wanted you to really understand because a lot of people don't understand what sports betting was. They didn't understand that there's two licenses, didn't understand that it meant he could put it in multiple locations from hotels to restaurants to anything. This is not about just the horses on the hill. For him, it's a cat, it's a big payday. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate You're you joining me. Well, thanks for having much. me. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Additional information and links related to this episode can be found in the show notes. And just a reminder, if you haven't already, be sure to mark your calendars for January 7th, 2023 from noon to 7 p.m. This is when the special election for the proposed racetrack location at 228 Barry Road will be held. We hope you come informed, educated, and ready to make a conscious decision for the benefit of your entire community.